Hey everyone, this is Jordan Van Trump, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of How I Built This Ag Business. Just wanted to let everyone know this podcast is sponsored by the company I started right out of college called AgSwag. I'm sure like many of the other disruptors on this podcast, I started this company searching for cooler stuff and better service. One of my first tasks when I got out of college was finding some cool hats for my dad's business, as my family and their friends always struggled to source quality swag throughout the years. I started this company only making a few hats and have been fortunate enough to meet some of the top business leaders in the ag industry along the way. I've worked with some of the biggest disruptors currently in the space, such as FBN, Benson Hill, Pivot Bio, Pattern Ag, Holganics, as well as many veterans, such as Cargill, Nutrien, Dairy Farmers of America, Kent Corp, CGB, Helena, and the list goes on and on. Throughout this journey of providing swag to various companies in agriculture, I've had the opportunity to learn some of the best business lessons, hacks, marketing strategies, and many other things to take my company to scale and become more successful throughout the years. My intentions of this series is to bring on guests that I've had the opportunity to work with over the years to tell their story and hopefully help you build your business in the future. Hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built This Ag Business. Today we have Todd Burris, Tim Green, and Griffin Green with Burris Seed. They are approaching 90 years in business. They currently offer seed for corn, soybeans, alfalfa, and they're primarily based in Illinois and Northeast Missouri, but they also have customers in Iowa, Wisconsin, and Indiana. Additionally, they have their own popcorn company called Burris Perfect Pop, and uh, with that, I'd like to welcome everybody to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you guys. So I did a little background on you guys, and it looked like the story for you guys began in 1919, but uh, the business actually began in 1935. So I don't, I, Tim or uh, Todd, do you, do you want to touch on that? And was that your, uh, was that your grandpa that started that? Yeah, it was. It was grandpa Wilbur and his brother Roy were the founding fathers of the seed business. And uh, I love telling the history story. One of the advantages to being the oldest guy left uh, tend, tends to get to tell the history. And history tells us about where we've come from. It tells us our purpose and tells us something about where we're going. So uh, grandpa and his brother would have been progressive farmers. And um, University of Illinois at that time was going along, finding progressive farmers, encouraged them to try hybrid seed corn for the first time. Plant an acre, save those seeds the next year, plant some yourself, sell some to your neighbors. You'd increase your yields, you'd increase your profits. And I, I think it's incredible that, uh, you know, 80 some years later, we are still doing that same thing. We're using seed to increase yields and profits for our neighbors. And the neighborhood's gotten bigger and the yields have gotten bigger. Um, at that time, just kind of a fun fact, but at that time, um, U.S. corn yields had been 25 bushel on acre for several years. And when hybrid seed corn started and the genetic advancement began, there's been a steady increase year after year uh, of, of corn yields and, and profits from agriculture. And uh, again, I, I don't want to sound like, hey, Burris caused that, but it's certainly been a privilege to be a part of that increase over time. You know, today, the Average U.S. corn yields approaching 180 bushels. Yeah, that's yeah. I I agree with you totally. That was a game changer back then, and it seems 
that's kind of the case today. The some of the farmers that are uh, progressive and willing to take some chances and try new things, and it looks like you know that's how, how it's kind of. I guess the new younger generation is going to uh, advance the ball and move forward. So kind of like you said, a little bit of forward looking as well. So yeah, it's been pretty incredible to me too. Just to to think back, um, I I didn't know either Wilbur or Roy personally. But my dad's stories were that they were very much different. Uh, Wilbur was a hard worker. Roy was a very sharp, business-oriented person. And they used each other's strengths um, to help each other be successful. In fact, my dad always can use the term that uh, Roy had told Wilbur if, if he could just think, and Wilbur do the work that they'd be the most successful. And I think it's kind of cool that uh, yeah. they're both comfortable with that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I, I think that's great. Yeah. Use each other's strengths and try to play off those together. Yeah. I, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. Kevin uh, in, in Jordan, probably what Todd um, really hasn't said though, is his father did the same thing in, in seeing that type of vision and, and uh, between Tom and Todd, obviously Tom was my father-in-law and Todd's older brother. Uh, but but to put them together as a team and and use their strengths uh, uh, in in their specialties in different ways has has really helped our company uh, grow over the years as well. Yeah, perfect. So I love that. Like I said earlier, I love that uh, background you got there. I think the you know the viewers and listeners that's. Some of your workers from way back, right? Guys that have it, been there years. Yeah, before. no, that's uh, uh, the the background here uh, is our original seed house, and you know the story. We we smile to tell that it was built in '38. The company, um, as far as selling seed to farmers in the, in the area, started in '35. But we realized we needed uh, a place to dry and condition seed and. Uh, so they erected the seed house there. I mean, the, the, some of the windows you can see were, uh, repurposed out of an old schoolhouse. I mean, it originally was coal fired. Um, and then, uh, there's a series of, of, uh, tractors in the background there with, uh, that was our fleet of tractors and, and some longtime employees on there that, uh, it's a great conversation piece to to have in in the office and in a fun to reminisce about uh, with the history as well. Yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Yeah, I also saw online that you get were you guys like one of the first people to do a hundred percent free replant? Like you started that way back when the business first started. Is that is that right? We yes, we did, Jordan. Um, and, and to our knowledge, uh, our uh, our program has never changed and. It was always the feeling of the the founding fathers to help somebody get a to get a growing start, and uh, so whether a grower was needs one bag or a thousand bags of uh, of replant, uh, our seed corn has always been free uh, free replant from 1935. Were you guys like the first people to do that, or uh, to our knowledge, um, one of if not the first, one of the first, but what's unique about our offering is we've never wavered from it. So there's not been stipulations on it. Um, you know, we're there to, like I said, help a grower get a growing start. Um, 
it's even unique when we brought soybeans into the mix. Um, if a grower can't go back in with uh, seed corn and wants to replant into soybeans, we, we give three bags for every unit of corn uh, as free replant back just to, again, help that grower uh, be a good partner with them and, and help them get started to a crop for the year. That's a great deal. Yeah, that's great. So what sure. what the uh, what the business exactly look like when uh, you kind of or let's just say your dad started getting into the business, Todd? Like when he started taking over? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. So uh, think early seventies is when I came back home. Uh, Tom was five years older than I was, and quite frankly, our 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 seed business was primarily a production uh, seed business at that time. Uh, we grew seed not only for our own brand, but we custom grew seed for other companies also. And we made a conscious decision to say we need for our brand to grow so that we can be our primary customer for our production seed business. So that was a, constant, uh, a, a very conscious decision that we made. You ask about that time, and, and I... I tend to think about the positives. I'm not, I'm not too much on the negatives, but you know, I, I reflect back and in the early seventies, uh, there was a corn blight came through the Midwest called Southern corn leaf blight. And it was really hard on, on most of the corn hybrids we had at that time. Uh, actually the following year, our sales went to half. We thought they'd rebound and actually uh, they cut in half again the following year. So when we first got in, seed sales were down. Uh, the capital that we had to operate with, with uh, dad helping Tom and I buy out Rob's interest at that time, uh, we were on limited capital. And, you know, just a couple of, couple of stories that come to mind, I can remember I can remember a two-ton truck we were using to deliver with, and the engine blew. And we were confronted with, are we going to spend $3,000 for a rebuild, or are we going to put a $5,000 new engine in an old truck? There was no way we could put in the budget a new truck. And we opted for the rebuild, and by golly, before the spring was out, the rebuild fell apart too, and we ended up putting a new engine in it. And it's just vivid as to how tight capital was at that time. Um, and yet our dad stuck with Tom and I and helped us over time get him paid back. Yeah, yeah that's great. I agree. You got Every now and then you got to have some people there to uh, help you. And I think that's, uh, you know, vitally important. So, yeah, for if sure. that senior generation doesn't help the next generation, it's kind of tough. I agree. I agree. You got to pay it forward. And uh, yeah. yeah, bring Griffin into the mix. Griffin, how how are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on with you. It's awesome to hear these stories from the different generations uh, in front of me. I really enjoy um, getting to revisit the history uh, of the company and and what guys uh, generations ahead of me did uh, to put us in the spot we're in today. And your dad is Tim, correct? My dad is Tim. That is correct. Perfect. So where'd you, uh, how'd you get into the biz? 
Sure. So um, growing up, uh, I was very fortunate to always be a part of the business uh, on the side. I can remember uh, going to dealer kickoff meetings in the summer and my younger brother Gannon and I's job was to carry in the boxes of merchandise for the dealers, uh, the popcorn, um, getting chance to go on seed deliveries with my dad, my grandfather, Tom. Um, and you know, it's, it's, a always been awesome for me to see the effort and the passion that you have to have in this business, um, to be successful. You know, when you have the president of the company delivering seed, there's uh, no other way to say all hands on deck approach. And that, and that's what we do here at Burris. Um, and then I spent nine years in the, in the seed fields, the tasseling, um, learning another really valuable lesson there that uh, we try to instill in our people. And that's, you're never above any job on the farm and um, really enjoyed that, you know, unique opportunity to learn um, the farming practices we use to create the high quality crop that we sell to our customers, obviously. Um, and then I spent uh, a summer outside the organization interning with Bear Crop Science, uh, graduated from the University of Illinois in 2019. And I uh, came back on our sales team that summer. So this will here in June, this will be my fourth year uh, with the company. Uh, interesting. I always like hearing, cause I used to go out and I'd consult for a lot of businesses, even outside of the ag space. And the rule of thumb was most businesses. And you look through U S history, you look on the, you know, on the stock exchange, very few businesses make it three or four generations out. Now, when you get into agriculture, that seems to be different. And I've come to the conclusion that it's because of people like you who have had to do hard work and have seen the hard work and you've started at the bottom and worked your way up and worked your way uh, into it. But, you know, it's interesting when you think about it, it you know, they always say like uh, Todd can recall how hard his dad and his dad tells him story, you know, so he's, he's, he's not removed from it. He remembers, you know, the engine breaking down and a rebuild and then, you know, how tight money was. And, but then when you move to the next generation, you know, you get to the third generation out, sometimes they're too far removed from what Todd's telling and having lived that. And it becomes really, really difficult. So I think it's, we see a lot of great ag businesses that make it many, many generations, but I think it goes back to Todd and Tim raising you the right way, putting you in and starting you at the bottom and doing deliveries with your grandpa and you got to see it firsthand. And, you know, I think a lot of that's just super, super important. So I'm sure when you pass it to, along further generations you're going to do the same and a little hard <laughs> yeah. knocks, a little hard knocks up front right <laughs> absolutely kevin you know it's it's always funny that every generation started uh, by picking tassels you know i can remember being 13 years old and getting put on a bus and, and getting paid minimum wage to pick tassels and you know it's a humbling experience and job but that's where you have to start to appreciate um you know, where we've come and what we've gotten to do. And again, you know, I was very fortunate to, to be able to watch my grandfather, my dad, my uncle Todd um, build, you know, the foundation that obviously is, has put us where we're at today. And, you know, I always look at it as it's my job to build the foundation for the next generation coming through. Yeah. I like what, yeah, Todd, I, I, I like what Todd said when he, uh, I think we should all think about it a lot. A lot of times we do, and I know we do here, 
we get too focused on the future. And I like what Todd said. A lot of times the maybe if we focus more on the history, the history would kind of tell us and guide us to where our future is going to maybe need to take us. And I think like you're saying there, that's, uh, you know, you got to get out in the fields and pick the tassels. And that's, you know, hey, that's the history of this bad boy. <laughs> this is where we're <laughs> and, going. And I think you hit on a on a really key point there as well, Kevin, when when you talked about generations and in, in in farming the ag uh, industry, but it, that's that's really relevant to independent seed companies, and and you've seen a lot of changes in that space over the years, and maybe one of the main reasons why uh, you saw and have witnessed consolidation in the past is there isn't that next generation interested in, and we've been fortunate uh, uh, to to have interest from you know the the next generation, and and hopefully we can um, provide an opportunity that, that, that those in, in the family that, that want to continue on um, get that opportunity. So that's the, those are the things that my father-in-law uh, taught me and Todd as well. And they've, they've given us the opportunity to do so. And, and so we're looking at that, at that next uh, generation to, to help give them the foundation that they can build upon and, and uh, continue. So how'd, uh, how how did you get wrapped up in this business, Tim? You married Todd's daughter, or not Todd's daughter, Tom's daughter. I married Tom's daughter. Actually, a funny story. I, I grew up local here. Uh, Lori and I went to preschool together. So, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I started to tasseling as well. Um, funny thing, I did not grow up in a, in production ag family, uh, but in a rural area. And summer detasseling, you know, you had a chance to uh, growing up to to walk beans, to put up bales in the summer, detassel detassel seed, and so a majority of the kids detasseled seed. I did as well. Uh, continued to do that, and even into to college um, during during breaks, and not only working in the summer but throughout breaks, um, worked uh, out at the conditioning facility and, and around the plant there. And after graduation, um, they offered me a chance to come on. I worked one year full time on the, on the production side of the business, which was a really great uh, uh, learning experience for, for me. And then, then I started on the sales side. So um, getting the chance to see those things, but, but much like Griffin talked about, I started the tasseling at 13. So did you did you meet through uh, getting the job, or you knew each other? No, nope. no, we we had gone to school together. Now um, she obviously had grown up uh, around the Orangeville area. I grew up a, a little town called Chapin, and eventually we we came together as a as a school district in in junior high. So uh, during high school, my family moved away for uh, uh, a short period, but uh, we'd always kept in touch and we didn't move that far away, you know, 40 minutes away or whatever. And so I still kept all the ties to, to, to hear what I considered home and, and uh, came back to college locally as well. And we went to college together and, and basically then the rest is history from there. Perfect. Perfect. Jordan? So, yeah. So I wanted to ask another question. Um, 
to Todd. So how, how did the dynamics work with your dad and your uncle? Did your dad end up buying your uncle out or, and are, are they still involved in the business or is it just you guys now or? Yeah, really good question. So, um, again, think in the early seventies, um, Robert would have been dad's double cousin. Actually the, the founding fathers, Wilbur and Roy married sisters and they raised their kids side by side. So while they were actually double cousins, they were raised as brothers, if you will, Robert and, uh, and Martin. And, um, in the early 70s, Robert got discouraged with, with uh, managing labor, to be just very, very honest with you. And you can't be in the seed business and not have uh, have help, have labor. So, um, and, and it takes good people. And so Rob wanted out and, and dad facilitated uh, Tom and I buying uh, Robert's interest and and. Tom and I would not have had any capital at that time, but dad provided us with the capital to buy Rob's interest. And then we paid dad back over time. Um, you know, I, I look back at that time and um, it, it, that, that separation of Rob from the business was a little like going through a divorce for those two men. Uh, there was tension Um they were respectful, but there, there was tension. And about a year later, after, after it was all settled, um, Dad and Rob sat down one day in Rob's shop, and none of the rest of us really know what the conversation was. But when they walked out of there, they were best of friends again. Hmm. And I, I just think that, I mean, uh, when I say that, you know, it, it was almost 30 years later that my dad passed, but I can remember Rob coming into my office the day dad passed, sat there and cried and cried. Mm. Dad was his best friend. And I think that's, again, that ability to communicate and to care. And hey, some of the time you got to set, set things behind you and go forward. You know what I mean? And, um, I learned a lot over the years from my dad's wisdom, but that was certainly uh, a place where he demonstrated what forgiveness needed to look like. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. Great story. Yeah, I, I'm trying to teach Jordan. We just had a call yesterday with his business he's building and how important it is to build teams, right? I mean, you have to, like you said, you can't be in the seat business if you can't build a team and a group around you that, uh, you know, is, is going to, uh, be able to carry things forward. So, you know, we try to build a family team kind of, so to speak, an extended family, like you're saying, it's, it's tough though. You know, it, it's, it's, it is hard. I could imagine Rob's frustration and I get there a lot. My wife has to talk me down and, <laughs> you know, well, I, you know, I, I, I think back, I think back also again, to my father's wisdom, but, uh, he, he, you know, up front, when I wanted to come home from college and, and go to work in the business, he made it clear, I'm going to love you as a son, whether you come back in the business or whether you choose to do something else. Right. 
but the choice needs to be yours because when the bad days come, there will be some tough days. Uh, when those tough days show up, if you choose to be here, you'll figure out how to have less tough days. If dad chooses for you, you'll be looking to leave and we can't have that. Yeah. And uh, so that, that piece of just guidelines in terms of Griffin, Gannon, my daughter, Martha, my son, Kevin, do you want to come back to the business? And if so, then it needs to be your choice. Um, and then I, I'm going to say the second part that's been really important um, was dad always told us we needed to, quote, play the card game with, with the cards face up was the term he used. And that is it takes open communication. You can deal with a different of opinion, but you can't deal with silence and try to guess what silence means. So when there's a difference of opinion, state what you're thinking, state why you're thinking it, and you will work it out. And again, fantastic wisdom for the ages. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a great one there, Jordan, isn't it? That's, that's kind of what we were dealing with yesterday. Uh, one of the girls that we had hired, she had been hired hourly and she wasn't sure if she was going to get holiday pay or Memorial Day, something. Uh, I don't know. But we could just hear some rumblings out in the office. You know, like you could just there were some little chatters going on. And it's like you said, just if we can be transparent with everyone and, you know, flip your cards over and tell us what you're you know, what you guys are talking about or what your concerns are. Hey, we we can then we can address it and move forward. It's like you said, when you don't know and, and things are, people like to keep their cards, you know, sometimes close. It's hard to build a team like that. You're right. You got to be transparent and open. And Yeah. And we're, we're kind of dealing with it with Kennedy right now, even too, just. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her, she's coming back to the family business and she thinks she wants to come back. Not really sure. Cards seem kind of tight, but I don't know. I think we're working it out. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a work in progress for everyone always. So. That's great wisdom there. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's, if you have the cards at least turn face up, it's, it makes it somewhat doable for sure. Face down is a real, a real bear. So. So how did the, uh, how did the business transition once Rob left? Was there, was there any huge changes or did you guys make any big pivots to like um, really trying to grow the business or was everything kind of the same? A great question. Actually, Tom and I started both in production. He had already been here. I I come back from college and joined in with him, and we both worked on production. And then Dad, Tom, and I sat down and said, "You know what? We need to grow our we need to grow our brand and our sales force." And um, it was a natural fit for for brother Tom. He was. Uh, he had a glowing personality. Golly, he was just fun to be with, no matter whether it was me being with him or his kids being with him or our customers. Um, and so I took the production responsibility, and that's what I did for 30 years. And and again, there was kind of this div division of responsibility. Um, hey, if, if I went over and I helped Tom in sales, uh, my responsibility was asked what he wanted done and how he wanted it done. And likewise, if Tom needed to come over and help me in production, the same thing. Here's what I need done. Here's how I want it done. And that division of responsibility let both of us grow. And 
uh, you know, Tom was such a natural in sales that uh, our our growth, our brand growth in in our footprint was just fantastic uh, because of the efforts and the team he put together. Griffin, you taking notes on all this? This is like highly valuable worldly wisdom. <laughs> Kevin, I got to watch him for 22 years of my life, man. And it was, it was a treat to see him interact with not only, um, not only our family and not only his peers and our staff, but how he interacted with the customer. It, it was special because it was so genuine. It, it was, it was how he was all the time. And, you know, he was, he was one of those guys who just, he wasn't, going to let himself have a bad day and there were tough days but he didn't have a bad day he enjoyed every step of the way everyone who he encountered and, and it was it was a blessing to watch and all we can do now is, is try to live like that you know yeah yeah for sure great great so was, was he was he doing a lot of the sales himself or was he focusing on building the sales team and kind of managing the team or what what exactly was he doing on the sales side Tim, do you want to take that one? Because, because you, I mean, I watched him build a team, but you, you might want to comment there. Yeah, Jordan, he uh, he started building the team, and he knew that we needed to focus more on retail, as as Todd said, um, instead of being so uh, production centric, and. So he knew he needed a, a team to to be able to do that, and he went on search of of um, finding the the best he could, and we believe that's really what helped chart our path to to where we've been able to get to today is is getting started with some of the right people. And Tom always talked about a gentleman by the day, the name of Dale Wood out in Missouri. Um, he just he probably had more belief in us at the time than than maybe we had in ourselves in that early stages of of really turning into retail brand and and so he started focusing on that team and and uh, building that I got to be pulled along on that journey for a big part of my career um you know, started in Southern Illinois and, and he was, he was a mentor. Tom was a mentor to me, not only being my father-in-law, but uh, of showing, you know, what it, what it took to, to really understand the customer needs. And I got to then split managing part of our sales team with him for a period of time. Uh, eventually I took over managing the sales team while, while Tom focused on on more industry relations and, and other things like that. So uh, he was all about, uh, and I think we all still are today, about the teamwork and about getting the right folks and, and in the right mindset of to, to move forward. And uh, when did Tom pass away? How long ago was that? He, he passed away in October of 2017. So he's, he's been gone about five and a half years now. And, and uh, after Tom passed, that's um, that's when I was elected to, to follow in his footsteps there as, as president of our sales organization. And it's uh, uh, it's kind of a legacy that I try hard every day to to fulfill what what he was hoping to what he was hoping to do. So, I mean, um, 
you know, at, at the time I was fortunate to spend, he's been involved and was involved in, in my life for over half my life. Uh, uh, by the time he had passed, I'd, I'd been around and been involved. So he was, he was a really big influence on, on me and to, as Griffin said, to see how he looked at situations, but how he treated, treated people and things like that. So I count myself very fortunate. And, and Todd talks about his father, Martin, as well. Quite honestly, even if I didn't uh, marry into the family, um, knowing Martin beforehand, Martin was probably one of the smartest men I've ever known. And uh, um, just some of his wisdom that he was able to impart. We always laugh. Martin was one of those guys who was, he was plain speaking as well. So we, we always laugh because he was one, if you went into his office and asked a question and you left without an answer, you either weren't listening or you didn't like the answer that he gave because he was going to tell you what, what he thought from his point of view and, and why. So that, that's what Todd talks about, keeping all the uh, cards face up on the table. Martin was all about cards face up on the table. You know where I stand. Makes sense. So yeah. did you guys have a more direct sales approach with salesmen or did you do marketing or advertising? So, yeah, when when I first started uh, thirty plus plus years ago, we were really a dealer centric model. Um, you know, at, at that time we we had about five hundred farmer dealers across primarily Illinois and uh, in, in the northern half of Missouri. And um, in the last uh, eight to ten years, we've kind of shifted. We still have farmer dealers, uh, which we're very proud to to be involved in, but we also uh, increased our direct sales staff. Um, and so we've, we've more than doubled our, our sales team out there. So, so we kind of use the, the model of some direct sales approach, uh, to, to fit right in with, uh, still a farmer dealer network, our farmer dealer network just over time and, and natural attrition isn't as, as large as it once was. And, and, because of uh, uh, of moving on with even more company salesperson for a direct approach as well, so we still utilize, you know, both both avenues to to uh, uh, move a product in our market footprint. Are you trying to expand any certain direction to the west or south? Or? That's a that's a good question. Uh, that's not on our radar right now, and and one of the reasons is there's a there's a lot more you know, opportunity right here where we're currently doing business that we can grow. So we can be more efficient um, with our logistics and and uh, just being able to service our customers. I mean, that's one of the things that, that we can do and we feel is one of our strengths is, you know, Todd and I can both jump in a truck and be out at a customer's or, or a dealer's place and, and, uh, being able to to get them the product in a in a timely fashion, and um, we opened we expanded that market footprint here uh, back around 2010 when we brought Hughes Hybrids from Woodstock, Illinois, into the mix. So that's what really opened up Southern Wisconsin to us. Uh, Hughes were marketing there, very well known, um, family independent company. Uh, so by bringing them on board and into our operation as well, that helped us expand at the time. But right now, there's no no immediate plans to 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 go out and capture 
kind of a larger market footprint. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, was the, uh, was the Hughes deal? Is that a, was that a, like, is that a partnership deal or is that something Burris bought out Hughes or? We brought them in. Uh, so the three brothers of uh, Dave, Don and, and Jim um, were still very interested in uh, being involved in the seed industry and wanted an opportunity to, to work with a larger uh, partner. So Dave is still on our board. Um, all three uh, brothers are still involved. And so we created an alliance of where we brought them in. Um, we own the trademarks to the, the Hughes products and such. Uh, and it's just been a great working relationship. Uh, they still raise some seed for us with Hughes Seed Farms. Um, while we have their brand, uh, the Hughes brand, to, to be able to use uh, whenever uh, we want to put a product out with the, the Hughes brand. So you're still using both names, Burris and Hughes? Uh, really, right now, we made that transition a few years ago. Early on, since we entered that new market space of southern Wisconsin, where, you know, quite honestly... Uh, up until that time frame, up until about 2010, as Burris, we really only went up to about I-80 in Illinois. We had a little trickle of north of that in counties, but uh, we didn't go much north of that just due, due to the maturity ranges. Where Hughes came down to about I-80, much like us, they may have trickled a county or two below I-80, but that was a good arbitrary line. So for the first Oh, five, six years um, after we came together, we kept Hughes corn, have kept Hughes so branded soybeans in the lineup. And then we wanted to kind of bring our message together, bring our brands together. So we shelved the, the Hughes name on the, on the bag of seed. And so now we offer the, the Burris brand as our house brand. Uh, and then we have Power Plus Corn, which is a distributorship brand uh, in conjunction with Corteva. And then on the soybean side, we, we've got Burris branded soybeans that we market all over. And we also then um, offer the Don Mario brand of soybeans in our market footprint. So we consolidated those brands down to kind of kind of uh, make the, the messaging and the, and the brand offering uh, more streamlined. Yeah, makes sense. So what? Did, um, I was going to ask what? What? So what did? So what was like the main driver of that partnership on your guys' end? Were you looking for them to just help expand the business and grow the business, or were they bringing some business knowledge to the table or marketing ideas? Or they? It was just a really good fit. Again, they were looking. Uh, they were looking for a partner. We had known the family, um, Tom and Todd had, had known their father, Earl, um, had very good work in relationships over the years to, together. So it just seemed like a natural fit for us. A, it opened up that that new piece of market footprint that, that we had never entered before. Um, they continued to manage that portion of the business. They still do uh, to this day. So it, it was just like... Uh, hand in glove fit for us and they had the same values um they had the same desires they they wanted to stay involved in the seed business uh and they they wanted to partner just to capture um 
more opportunities that uh, at the time we were we were able to provide for them. Yeah, I think the reason we asked is we've had a lot of farm ag company. You know, how do you go about acquisitions or how do you grow by, you know, finding the right fit? I get yeah, like you said, you got to fit culturally and you got to fit as friends and yeah. So work together uh, in just in in our experience in the past, and, and we purchased Hoblet brand. Uh, back 2008-2009 time frame. So the McCown family there in Atlanta, Illinois, uh, a long time independent seed brand that, that represented um, central Illinois and, and southern Illinois and out into Missouri. Actually, the opportunity, they, they came to us. They were, they were looking for an opportunity to exit uh, the seed industry. And funny story there is that's really how, uh, one of the ways anyway that that we entered the soybean business because since 1935, we were seed corn only up until 2009. And uh, we'd started our, our Power Plus brand uh, in conjunction with Corteva and then this opportunity with Hoblet. And, and honestly, when we were talking with Jim and Rick, uh, uh, being quite frank, we just wanted to buy their corn business. And they were looking for that that strategy to to move their whole business so they said no we want to sell corn and beans and and uh, if you agree to take the beans we'll help you and so getting back around kevin it was just we were right place right time probably pretty fortunate again had good working relationships uh with their family just in that independent space uh we were very uh, good and, and honest competitors with each other and they felt like they wanted their business to go to another family independent mindset uh, company and, and they they came to us and it just looked like again something with the values um, were very similar and we thought it was going to be a good fit for our organization so um, it, it's just uh, over time, we've been fortunate to be presented with these opportunities and and kind of choose the ones that that kind of worked into what our goals were and and uh, how we looked at our growth plans for the future. Gavin, you you mentioned partnerships and how do you know? Uh, I sat through some training that I thought was really significant a few years ago and. What we were taught was you have to have similar values, you have to have similar goals, and you have to come to a conclusion that there's nobody else that would be a better partner than the one you're considering. And that's the thing that makes long-lasting partnership relationships. And as over time, I've found that to be true. Yeah, that's true. That's good, that's good advice for sure. And that last line was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and it probably it, joining with those folks probably helped you guys too to transition into beans, and maybe a uh, you know get a leg up on on the learning curve, I should say, and then I guess having to start it on your own and, and learn learn from the ground floor. So absolutely, it was uh, it it was very valuable to to both the Hughes family and uh, the McCown family with the the Hoblet brand of being willing to say hey we've we focused on this aspect of our, our business for several years and here here are some of the things we can help with and and 
so we kind of hit the ground running on on soybeans with some knowledge, not just trying to uh, go into it, uh, you know, wide eyed and, and and learning as we go. We had some we had some good knowledge base to build upon, and been very fortunate that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. So how many uh how many Griffin? How many more are in the fifth generation with you? Yeah, so the fifth generation right now uh, represented is myself uh, and then my younger brother, Gannon, who's uh, on our financial team. And then it would also be uh, Todd's grandsons, uh, Adam and Mason would be the other two in the fifth generation uh, that are represented. But uh, they've got a little bit of time before they make their decision to come back or not. So we're very fortunate, again, um, like like my dad and uncle Todd have touched on to have generations that have been not only interested, but dedicated to um, doing what Burris does and that's deliver the customer more than just seed. And, and it's, it's our tagline. It's simple, but we live it every day and it's the truth. And it's, it's what we've done for 90 years and, and we'll continue to do for the North American farmer. What are, uh, I was going to ask, what are some of like the, have you brought any like big ideas to the table or kind of generated some new revenue streams since coming on board or? Sure. So, you know, in my position, the biggest attribute I can give to our uh, family and business is to bring them what the customer uh, is experiencing. You know, I'm, I'm in the field, I'm working every day with our growers and our customers. Um, today, growers have more information at their fingertips than they ever have before they can research anything they need to in, in the ag industry right so what i've tried to do and try to help our team with is how does burris stay ahead of the curve on that how do we stay knowledgeable uh, in areas not only in the seed industry but but around what are the decisions our growers are faced with how can we help them make those decisions uh, that are going to be profitable for their farm. And so what I like to look at it in a general sense is, is modernizing uh, how these growers are making decisions today and, and how they're quite frankly going to make decisions in the future. And that's a big part of my role here uh, in the company. Yeah. So is there a, is there a sixth generation? Not yet. Not yet. Ask my mom. She's waiting though. <laughs> Sounds like us. I, I thought, wow, this may be, if this was, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that, Jordan. So that was going to be eye opening for me as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm dealing with the same thing. Everyone's ready to go, but me, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, my, I think, I think it's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. I got aunts and her, her, her mom and my, my sister and everybody like, Hey, Hey, what's going on here? I'm like, yeah. well, it's, it's funny because everyone always asks because I'm obviously very proud to represent the fifth generation. And I always get asked, well, when the, when's the sixth generation coming? And I don't have an answer for that, but uh, if history says something, then hopefully uh, the sixth generation is just as uh, interested in the business as the generations before. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you married or? Nope. I'm not married. I, 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 uh, I'm not married yet. I have a girlfriend. And so, uh, still a little ways away from that sixth generation. Yeah, same with Jordan. Same with Jordan. He ain't married yet. Married in <laughs> November. That's the plan. Yeah, we'll see what All happens. right. Congratulations. Yeah. Good. Day. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. That sixth generation. I see Todd light up because, uh, 
Scout grandson Adam is uh he started his detasseling career last year for the first time too. So again, uh uh that that next generation is is in the field. So uh that's right. that's, that's where it seems where we all start. Yeah. So where so, do you guys see it? Where do you think it's headed to, Griffin, Todd? Where do you, you know, what are your guys' opinions? Where what are we going to see happen here with this seed business and how's technology, you know, what do we think is going to change uh, from a, I guess maybe from a technology standpoint, uh, CRISPR technology, you know, what, how the, you know, the new things that are happening, what, what do you guys see coming down the pipe? Do you want to take the technology piece, Uncle Todd, and I can go um, on his other question? You bet. Um you know, I look when I started and the things that are reality today, I couldn't have even dreamed of that when I started back in the in the early 70s. Um, I know the dollars being invested to improve seed is huge. Uh, that genetic gain continues to be a very consistent step forward. Um, I, I find the future exciting. I, I don't find it scary a bit. Um, and the one thing that has held true in the seed space during, during my lifetime, there's always been major brands. Um, today, you know, both DeKalb and Pioneer are, are major nationwide brands. But the independent space has stayed very consistent. Uh, a little bit over the third of the seed sold is sold by independent seed companies. And I believe the reason why that is, is that regional focus lets us understand that customer's needs. It lets us understand not just on a theoretical basis, but how can we use the technology that's coming to market to really help growers make good decisions and good investments with their dollars? And uh, part of the reason that we have stayed independent is that we really believed it was important that we be able to speak truth into the marketplace. And um, if, if, some major corporation owned us, we'd have a responsibility to deliver their message. But when we're an independent seed company, we simply have the responsibility of the customer to speak truth. And, and with that said, you know, there's, there's been forces that have predicted for almost the whole time I've been in the seed industry that independent space was about to go away. And it looks to me like it's as strong today as it was back then because of the very principles that they bring to the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to piggyback on, on that point, um, you know, one thing we've definitely learned in our almost 90 year history is that quality lasts. Um, we, we're very committed to creating the highest quality seed crop we can for our customers and we've been fortunate that we've had a uh, we've had a group of of, of staff, uh, a large majority of our history, uh, very important to know the commitment to the customer and the customer success. 
uh, in the future ultimately equals uh, our success as, as a company. Um, having a team that's highly knowledgeable and, uh, you know, very uh, capable of bringing that North American farmer, that regional brand fit is what we've, what we've built on. And um, to me, I, I'm very fortunate to, to look into the future and, and have a great group, uh, very talented staff around us here at Burris um, that we're going to move the ball forward and build on the generate or build on the foundation that generations before us had, had, had laid. Do you guys have any other, are there other revenue channels besides uh, selling seed corn and, and beans? Do you, do you do sell popcorn? We, yeah. Uh... Uh, so primarily it's corn and soybeans. Uh, the, the popcorn's just a, a fun little uh, side thing that, that we kind of offer to dealers and customers. We do not actively uh, uh, market it um, on, a, on a broad scale. Um, same with, uh, we dabble a little bit with uh, sweet corn in our Coons Choice Plus uh, sweet corn there. And, and, but again, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a hobby and a, and a fun thing that, that Todd is kind of taking the torch over from his, his brother, uh, uh, Tom, but no corn and, uh, corn and, you know, hybrid seed and, and soybeans are our primary focus. Yeah. Anybody still farming? You guys still farming any or? Mm -hmm. We do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we do, but, uh, we try to put, uh, the majority of our focus uses, uh, the majority of our family acres into into seed production in some form or fashion. These these rent prices have gone nuts again, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly oh, have. <laughs> boy, up in your guys' area, it's been crazy. For <laughs> sure, certainly have. Yeah, That's so uh, uh, we've been fortunate that uh, uh, we're able to to utilize uh, um, a lot of our family ground and and some good working. Uh, uh, farms around us that that we've had some long-term relationships with to to meet our production needs did you guys have family at homesteaded ground back all the way back then or mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure yeah we 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 did uh, uh and honestly that first acre of seed corn would have been grown pretty close to where the first burris uh, built a residence and that's about a mile and a half north of our plant oh wow yeah I always just find that that's just such a great story through history that, you know, the whole, the, just getting out there heading West and, you know, working the land and yeah, lots, lots of great story, man. A lot, a lot of our forefathers really struggled and worked hard to uh, make all that happen. That's, it's amazing to think back. So. Yeah. There's uh, Todd's daughter, Martha lives um, on, on one piece that's got Burris cemetery on it at the top of the hill with uh six or seven generations there of uh, Burris family. And it's so a lot of history around us that we've been, been very fortunate. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So anything Jordan that we have missed or. No, I got no questions on my end. Uh, do you guys have any questions you wanted to ask us or any, any last stories you wanted to share? Or... Something we might've missed. I think I need to trade you guys a Burris hat for an ag swag hat. Yeah, Those are cool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> heck yeah. Yeah, you guys got some cool stuff in there. I love all that history. That's awesome, for sure. So, so you you had queued us up that there might be a question around 
uh, a favorite story. And I'd just be interested, Tim or Griffin, do you have a favorite story that you'd like to tell uh, during your experience? Uh, I've got several. One of the fun things, though, uh, Kevin, you would understand. I know Todd would. Jordan and Griffin, it may be hard to comprehend for them, but uh, remember early on in my sales career, Southern Illinois, um, I would drive around and know where in my territory the pay phones were that I could drive up to in my truck and call the office. You know, and I'm sure Jordan and Griffin today are like, what? And, you know, that that was, uh, it, we were talking about technology, and I think we're at the tip of the iceberg on technology in, in the ag uh, sector here, but uh, technology has also helped salesmen over the years uh, be more efficient as well, too. So, uh, no, there's, there's, some, there's some great stories. I don't know if we have time, and if you've known, uh, and I'm sure folks listening uh, uh, to this podcast, uh, several of them would have known Tom as well. And if, if you've been around Tom as as long as Todd and I have, we could fill a uh, a whole day with Tom stories. And but some of them probably wouldn't you know, always be suitable to tell on on uh, <laughs> on this venue. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, that's great. So perfect. Anyone, anything else, or Todd? You got anything? Or? You know, uh, it was, it was. I appreciated that because it, it did. I have thought of a million stories that I could tell. It, Tom generated stories. My dad's de- generated stories. I do remember one moment when Tom and I were convinced that we needed, as a business, to go left. And dad was not necessarily thinking that was the direction to go. And and we had discussed it. And and honestly, my son Kevin was uh, in the room where we was discussing. He was playing with toys on the floor. I don't know. He was maybe three, four years old. And we started around the room again a second time, stating our position and why. And and the three-year-old son on the floor says, I don't know why you guys keep talking about it. Around here, nobody changes their mind. <laughs> and uh, it was just the dynamic of multiple generations in a room together, having an open discussion. It it was precious. That is funny. That is great. Yeah. Man. Worldly wisdom uh, of the youngsters, right? <laughs> For and sure. Martin and Martin smoked a pipe. So uh, those are some really fond memories for me as well. Uh, uh, coming back and in and being involved in some of the family meetings. And Martin was still active at the at the time. But how we'd sit in Todd's small office there in Orangeville. But Martin smoked a pipe, and you you could tell when he was really contemplating on something because the room would just grow with a, a haze of pipe smoke in there, you know, and, and uh, so you knew he was, he was deliberating how he was going to convey his message and he wanted just to pick the right words before they, before he spoke, but you'd have to cut through the smoke sometimes if it was a big topic, uh, you know, and, and so those are just some great memories and, and, and funny stories. We can, we can probably 
uh, like I said, fill a whole podcast with, with some of the funny stories, especially when you've been out on the road as a sales, uh, salesperson and, and, and some of the things that happened there. But, uh, uh, no, you, you, you make me smile here when you ask those questions and to, to, uh, bring up some of those, those fun memories. So thanks. Yeah, this, this is great. Yeah. Some, some great worldly wisdom, Jordan. Uh, yeah, lots of good on, stuff. On so. Yeah. Hopefully it'll help some people out and help our, our whole goal is just kind of give back. Ag's been great to us and I appreciate you guys being on to give back as well. And hopefully it helps some folks who are trying to build their business and maybe they're just first generation in, or maybe they're five or six generations in uh, like Burris, uh, you know, but hopefully we can all, I just think our goal is try and help other, just like you guys say, we try to help other people build their business and in return, it all it comes back and, you know, we, we're appreciative of, of all that. So I, I, I definitely thank you guys for, for being on and, and giving us your insight and, and wisdom through the years. So. Thank well, you. thank, thank you. We, we appreciate you, you asking us to, to come on because as, as we started, it's fun for us to think about and share some of the history and, and to have, you know, it's, it's humbling for me and, and proud at the same time to have, Kevin, just like you working every day with Jordan, Todd gets to work with Martha and Kevin and, and I get to work with my sons here and, and, uh, yeah, that's such a great feeling. We're fortunate to be able to do it, but, uh, practicing the golden rule and helping others and, and treating people like you'd like to be treated. That's, that's one of our mantras of, um, it's not only involved selling seed, but just a, a daily practice. And, and we're, ju we're just like you guys, if we can, answer questions and, and help somebody else. That's a good thing. And that's what we want to do. So. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, thank you guys very much. Appreciate the time. Thanks everyone. Thank you guys. God, great wisdom, Griffin. Best of luck on it all. Thank you, Bye. sir. <laughs> yeah. So. And congratulations, Jordan, on, yep, congrats. on getting yeah. married coming up. Hopefully so. all goes well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> it, it will. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you both. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you again. Have a good Thanks, week. Man. You as well.